This is Simply Healthy, a podcast by Southern New Hampshire Health. Mm, spring, it's a great time of year as temperatures get warmer and flowers start blooming and the trees start blooming. But for many people, spring is not welcome because of spring allergies. And here to talk with us about spring allergies is Dr. Amit Kumar, an asthma and allergy specialist at Southern New Hampshire Health. Dr. Kumar, thanks for being here. Hey, Bill. I'm happy to be here with you. So excited to talk to you about this topic because allergy sufferers, when spring comes, man, it can be tough for them. So let's dig into this. So let's talk about spring. Why do allergies get worse in the spring? So, um, Bill, uh, you know, when, when we get the seasonal change that comes up now in the spring and we get all that nice warm weather uh, with it, the, the trees start to uh, pollinate and bud. And when that tree pollen starts to hit the air, that's when some of that misery begins for a lot of our allergy patients. Patients start to feel uh, runny nose, itchy eyes, sneezing, just uh, from a lot of that uh, tree pollen that, that gets up to into their nose and sinuses. Um, so usually when we think about spring allergies, it's usually the trees that are the culprit. So the wind blowing, obviously blowing that pollen around, it's easy to, you know, be outside and gosh, this warm weather is great and a nice warm breeze. And then that pollen is right in your nose and right in your system. Exactly. And and think about it, you know, that's when we want to be outside. We're outdoors more. The kids are, you know, usually out doing some sports and, and on those soccer fields and they get a good healthy dose of um, some of that pollen that when it gets a chance to get up there and you and if you make antibodies to uh, the the trees, then that's what kind of elicits those allergic reactions that we all um, deal with, whether it be runny nose or, or sneezing or, or itchy eyes or watery eyes. Uh, it's all a consequence of, of making some of those allergic antibodies to that pollen. So. so who is most at risk then for spring allergies? Do we know who that type of person is? Well, so it kind of goes back to that, that concept um, we've discussed before, that patients who have allergies sometimes have a tendency towards some other allergic diseases too. So sometimes patients will have food allergies, sometimes patients will have eczema, sometimes patients will have um, asthma. Um, so a lot of those patients, the, the fourth part of that kind of tetrad is, is, is seasonal allergies. So oftentimes when I'll see somebody young and I'll see them the first few years for food allergy or, or maybe potentially eczema, every year I see them back, I keep asking the families, are they starting to now develop some um, spring allergy symptoms, which is uh, quite common to occur in those groups. And then there's other people that don't necessarily have those risk factors, but just with time and, and age, they start to notice that, you know, as they're outdoors more, that they happen to get some of those those seasonal issues. But usually when people have some of those other um you know, allergic states, they're a little bit more prone to allergies. Or if, or if they have family histories where, you know, mom and dad or siblings have allergies, those patients tend to, to, to carry a little bit higher genetic risk for, for developing some of those symptoms. Hmm, that's interesting. So you've been mentioning runny nose, itchy eyes, sneezing. How do you know if it's allergy or common cold for people that may not have had allergies their whole life? How do you tell? So that's a great question. So we get that question a lot. And a lot of times when we see patients in the spring, you know, it can be sometimes hard to tell because there's still some of those late winter viruses, you know, that are creeping into the spring that can kind of confuse matters. I mean, typically what I tell patients is that if you're having a fever or, a, or you know, a very sore throat or, um, you know, or green yellow drainage coming from your nose, then that's usually indicative that you probably have a cold or 
sometimes, you know, if people say my nose is really stuffy and I just keep blowing out thick um, green or yellow drainage from my nose for weeks on end, then that's usually typically more indicative of a sinus infection or a cold going on. Allergies, you know, tend to be more, you know, watery, itchy. Um, you tend to have um, the clear drainage more so, uh, more often than not. And that's confusing because sometimes when you get a cold, the first few days are a little bit clear. But if it's going on a week or two later and it's kind of thick or, or you know, colored, then you know it's probably more of a cold and less apt to be the allergies in those situations. Well, that's good information on how to tell. And earlier you mentioned age. Dr. Kumar, can you develop allergies as you get older? You can, you know, so sometimes patients will have them as youngsters and then there's other people we'll meet that'll be adults and that'll get allergies. And oftentimes I'll, I'll sometimes even see some geriatric patients and, and I'll tell them that the chances are low you developed allergy this late into, um, you know, into, into adulthood. But, but once in a blue, mi- a blue moon, they'll surprise you as well. They'll, they'll have um, allergies that all of a sudden develop in their 60s or 70s, and they never had allergies before. But, but that tends to be a little bit more rare overall. So, Dr. Kumar, as spring turns to summer, do the spring allergies then generally go away? So, yeah. So, so the way we think about it is that we think about, you know, spring as being the tree pond season. And then summer, as we get into, like, the first few weeks of June, we start hitting the summer pollen, and that tends to be the grass pollen. And then as we get into um, like mid to late August into the first or second week of October, that tends to be like ragweed and, and weed season. So depending on what your triggers are, that kind of dictates when you're going to have your symptoms. You know, here in New England, we tend to see a lot of a of, of very strong um, spring allergy and then some summer allergy, but not to the same degree that we see with the spring. So we have some grass stuffers that, that have a hard time in the spring, but it's usually not as, as uh, vigorous as our, as our spring allergy. And then we do see a healthy amount of fall allergy, too, with the ragweed and weeds that creep up later in the season. So. Mm-hmm. so let's talk about treatment. How do you commonly treat someone with spring allergies? So, you know, usually we use a very combined approach on things. Oftentimes when we see patients, we'll we'll have them come in and they'll do some skin testing with us to see what they're allergic to so we can define formally what their what their allergic triggers are. And then based on that, then we lay out multiple options for patients. Um some patients will start off with just taking an over-the-counter, a long-acting, non-sedating antihistamine such as Claritin or Zyrtec or Allegra um, as a way of trying to control symptoms. Um, oftentimes, I tell patients um, those therapies can be somewhat beneficial, but a good, you know, prescribed uh, nasal steroid spray oftentimes can be helpful as well. And then those nasal steroid sprays are actually available oftentimes over the counter uh, as well these days. Um, that was a, a recent change in the last few years. So people can use those. If you use those sprays on a regular basis, it tends to help um, control the symptoms a little bit more optimally. Um, in addition to that, we have some other prescribed nasal um, spray options like antihistamine nasal sprays. There's a medication called Montelukas, which blocks another part of the allergic cascade, which can, can also be uh, added to augment the effect of these things. And finally, if somebody's just kind of fed up with their allergies, they can consider doing allergy shots, which is a way of trying to desensitize somebody over time and make them less allergic to the things that they're allergic to. But when you go on allergy shots, it's a big commitment. You have to come in once a week for a good 
almost you know, eight months. And then after that, you're on the monthly. And usually people who want to choose that as an option are kind of fed up with their allergies or have failed medications or just can't get over their allergies otherwise. So that can be an option for some as well. Right. And since people can get over-the-counter medication for this, at what point should they see their doctor if it's just not working at all? Yeah. So so I tell patients, you know, um, to be cautious. Um, you know, when we say that over-the-counter options are appropriate, we say, you know, certainly you can use the antihistamines. We tell patients that, you know, over-the-counter nasal steroid sprays are relatively safe. But, you know, even when you're on those, it's good to have a doctor check your nose once a year to make sure there's no changes occurring from that. Sometimes people get confused, too, because certain over-the-counter nasal sprays like Afrin or Oxymetazolin, those are topical nasal decongestant sprays. Those are actually not safe to be used for more than three days at a time because they can be somewhat habit-forming, and we usually caution patients against using those over long periods. But you're right, you know, we usually see patients that tend to have more refractory symptoms or if patients want to know exactly what they're allergic to. Um, oftentimes when they come to the allergist office, we also go over like environmental measures, how best to kind of, you know, keep the home kind of pollen-free and, and give them some guidelines on those things as well. So, you know, it usually depends on, you know, how severe the symptoms are and, and, and you know, what the person is kind of trying to think of in terms of their, um, you know, medication regimen and things. So. And always good to consult with your physician first. Last question, Dr. Kumar. Do you have any other advice mm-hmm. to help spring allergy sufferers? Yeah, so, you know, th- there are a lot of simple things that we mention to people when they come in. We, we oftentimes tell patients to, you know, when they're... Um, uh, you know, when they're at home to try to keep the window shut when the pollen is uh, is blooming outside. Um, that can be helpful to keep the pollen from entering indoors. We tell people to run the air conditioning. Sometimes that helps to clean the, the, the pollen out of the air. Sometimes people will get uh, a HEPA filter air filtration system for the bedroom or where they're sleeping just to get the, get the pollen out. And sometimes, you know, we tell people simple things like if you're child is outdoors and they're playing a sport and they come back in and they have long hair or, you know, there's a, there's a tendency for that pollen to collect on, on people. So we tell people to take a nice shower after, after being outdoors to just kind of rinse the pollen off. But, you know, all of those things can be, you know, again, helpful in addition to the medicines in terms of trying to control symptoms. So That's a really good tip about kids playing outside or even Maybe you've got a pet, your dog is outside rolling around and coming inside the house and shaking the fur. Really good tips to be aware of that. People might not think of that, but really good to be mindful of those types of things. Dr. Kumar, thank you so much for your time today. Very informative, as always. For more information, please visit snhhealth.org. That's snhhealth.org. This is Simply Healthy, a podcast by Southern New Hampshire Health. I'm Bill Klaproth. Thanks for listening.